good, good morning, everyone. It's such an honor to be here. Again, if we haven't met, uh, my name is David, and I'm part of the team here at New Life Wichita. On most Sundays, I'm in the back helping with tech and media. I try my best to blend in and not stand out, but that can be a, a little hard sometimes, especially since, I mean, you guys are looking at the screens, and uh, usually when someone messes up, it's, uh, hey, what are you guys doing back there? So, <laughs> uh, But I'm so grateful for for all of you guys, for our unsung heroes, our volunteers, I have the unique uh, advantage point to be here early on Sunday mornings, and I get to see just really how everyone comes together as a core, you know, with a common vision, and we get to just make this place, this space of the Metroplex into an environment where you, your friends, and your family, you guys can feel like you, you can belong before you believe, and we really mean that because... I mean, we've all been through those seasons, and some of us are going through that right now. And we want you to bring your questions. We want you to bring yourself, your family, and your friends. And come explore what we think, what this thing that we call faith is. I also want to take the time to acknowledge those that are watching online. Good morning, everyone, and especially my family that's watching from all parts of the world. So I'm going to say a few things uh, in Spanish for them. Buenos días, amigos y familiares. Uh, gracias por acompañarnos. Bienvenidos a la iglesia de New Life Wichita. Para mí es un placer poder estar aquí y estoy muy agradecido con Dios por esta oportunidad que me ha dado de poder compartir un poco de lo que está en mi corazón y de lo que yo veo en su palabra. Voy a estar hablando sobre Nehemías, lo que hacemos cuando Dios nos pone una visión en nuestro corazón y cuáles son los siguientes pasos. Así que espero de que este mensaje sea de inspiración, motivación, para que juntos, con la ayuda de Dios, podamos hacer algo grande. Thank you. A very wise man once said, We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Now, for most of us, that idea just resonates at a really high level. Because something deep inside us, it knows that we are more than just our thoughts, our feelings, than these circumstances that we're living at the moment. That we are something much greater than that. More than the present. More than what we see ahead. And for most of us, you know, the idea that we are just vaster than that, it's relieving. Even if we can't access the knowing of it directly. It's fascinating, a recent study by the Pew Research found that young adults are just as spiritual as the next generation. In fact, eight out of 10 teenagers reported that they believed in God or a universal spirit. And 77% said that they feel a strong sense of gratitude more than once a month. Now, while more young adults are becoming less religious, at least in the way that we see religion, they're becoming a different kind of religious. So many are engaged in social justice work or meaningful change. And in analyzing all of this, Elizabeth Drescher, a professor at Santa Clara University, comments that young adults like being a part of something that is transcending, something that is bigger than oneself. And so as spiritual beings, we're constantly asking, God, where are you? And God, what do you want for me? God, what do you want for me. It's amazing the things that we can do when we have clarity. 
Life is less confusing, you make better decisions, and you just generally feel happier. For example, some of you guys know where you're going to eat out after service. Uh, you've probably made that decision early this morning, or if you're really great at meal planning, you probably made that decision last week. But if you're a master at meal planning, you've known for a whole month now where you're going to eat, not just today, but tomorrow and every Sunday for the rest of the month. But some of us, we're, we're going to talk about it. We're going to consult our cravings. We're going to consult the cravings of others. We're going to complain about Chick-fil-A not being open on Sundays. Right? Got to at least settle that. And then we're going to head to Chili's. You know, the one that's right across the street from Chick-fil-A. We're going to be so bitter about it. We're going to eat there. We're going to look out the window. We're going to see, man, if only Chick-fil-A was open, right? The greatness that's right across the street. Because we know the opposite is true. We've been in less clear situations. We've been around visionless leaders, indecisive people, confusing situations. And it, it drives us crazy. We'll say things like, if only we did this. You know, things would be so much better. Or if only we, we did that, right? Life would be less complicated. Um, why can't we go back to those days? If only he or she would stop making excuses, things will get done. We'll say things like this at work. We'll say, man, remember when so-and-so was in charge? What a great leader. What a great boss. Man, I wish... I wish he or she were here to be able to, to kind of guide us, to make those decisions for us. And why do we do this? Um, because deep inside us, we, we kind of know we have this idea of what things should be like. Or we've experienced those situations where we've been around people that can guide us through that. And I get in trouble all the time because I'm really bad at, at giving directions. But I'll tell you how to get somewhere. So... I know most of you guys are still thinking about what you're going to do for lunch. So here, here's the suggestion. Here's how you get to my favorite Mexican restaurant, okay? You're going to want to go out of that parking lot there. Not, not this parking lot here. You're going to want to go out of that parking lot there with all the soccer fields. Then you're going to make a left. And you're going to keep going, okay, towards Wichita State main campus. When you get to the quick shop there, you're going to want to make a right, okay? You're going to want to drive past Wichita State main campus, past Charles Coke Arena, past the Sonic, under the freeway, over the railroad tracks, until you get to this weird, like, orange-shaped building, you know, the, the one that's shaped like a wedge. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, we've, we've all driven by it, and we're like, what is that? Okay, when you get there, you're going to make a left, and then you're going to keep going past the grain elevators up until you get to the big carpet store, all right? When you get to the carpet store, you're just going to go a little bit further until you get to the car dealer. And then in between the car dealer and the nail salon is going to be my favorite Mexican restaurant. And you know you've arrived. I'm not exaggerating. You know you're there when you reach the parking lot with the giant pothole. Okay? The giant pothole. You know you would have arrived. Now, if you go to the school, you've made it too far. Clear as mud? <laughs> Uh, probably not. <laughs> what most of you really want to hear is, head south on Oliver. At 21st Street, make a right. Then head west for five miles until you reach Broadway. On Broadway, make a left. 
Head south on Broadway for 1.3 miles. The destination is on your right. Enjoy. <laughs> right? Some of you guys are like, no, nah, I wouldn't even mess with that. Just give me the address and I'll just put it on my map and see how it goes. <laughs> right? So, so we've been around these indecisive moments, right? And, and the idea behind this series is that we're talking about a God-given destination for our lives and embracing a God-given guiding vision for our lives. We said that God has a vision for your life, that God has a vision for my life. And then if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you gain a new vision for the things that align with the divine. And that when Jesus was about to depart this planet, he gathered his closest followers. And Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 says, Jesus telling his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What this means is that as followers of Jesus attached to all of my dreams, all of my goals, it's this urgency, this calling to impact other people with an incredible message of hope through Jesus Christ. And so to kind of expand on this, we're looking at a man named Nehemiah, a Jewish man who was slave to a pagan king. And yet more than 2,000 years later, his name lives on. And we're talking about him because we get to see what happens with the power of a God-given vision and how it allows us to use the little bit of time that we have on this earth to say, my life mattered. I made a difference, right? Not just that, but I made a difference that would outlive me into eternity. And through Nehemiah, we see these, these principles, these rich principles of understanding vision. And the most important thing we discovered is that you don't ask God for vision, you just don't ask God for vision. What you ask for is, God, help me to see the people around me the way that you see. Help me to see the world, the circumstances, the way that you see them. And God, make the things that concern you concern me. And as our concerns line up with God's concerns, we become positioned for God to put a guiding vision in us. So today I'm going to share with you a little bit about what breaks my heart. I'm going to be honest, be vulnerable, because the short answer is there's a lot. There's a lot that breaks my heart. And so my hope is that today you'll be encouraged, that you'll be inspired, and that together we can do something big. Because at the end of the day, we're all just helpers. We're all just helpers. So last week we said three things. The first is that God is using your circumstances to prepare you to accomplish his vision for your life. That all your experiences, all your pain, your frustrations, your sorrow, your history, everything. God wants to use all of that to build in you a new sense of meaning and vision for your life. The second thing is that anything God initiates he orchestrates. If God initiated something in you, he's going to orchestrate it. He's going to engineer it. 
He's going to bring it about. And the third thing we said was that when we live in this tension of what could and should be as opposed to what is, vision builds our faith by serving as a constant reminder of our dependence on God. So, today I'm going to briefly share with you what we do with this next. So let's recap, okay? Nehemiah is a well-known character from the Hebrew Scriptures that we refer to as the Old Testament. We meet Nehemiah when he is an adult. He's a Jewish exile that's born and, and lived under captivity under the rule of King Artaxerxes. He's not a priest, he's not a prophet, but he is a cupbearer to the king. He's a wine taster. And it's been years since the Israelites have returned to the city of Jerusalem. But we learn that few have been allowed to return. And out of those few that have allowed to return, word gets back to Nehemiah that the walls, the city walls around Jerusalem have been broken down. And though he's never been to the city, this broke Nehemiah's heart. So Nehemiah has a dream to go back to Jerusalem to build its walls. He prays, he waits, and then he relays this message to the king. Now, the king, which has a lot to lose if Israel becomes a superpower, does something unexplainable. He doesn't just allow him to go back. He says, Nehemiah, I want to help you rebuild the walls, and I'm going to give you letters of protection, and I'm going to give you an armed escort. And so he gives Nehemiah almost everything that he needs to go back and do the work. So we're going to pick up in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11, if you want to follow along either with your Bible or your Bible app. If not, we're going to have the words on the screen. So this is Nehemiah saying, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal wall, jackal well and Durin gate and Dungate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up to the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. First, we can't understand most things from a distance. If God is beginning to put a vision in your heart, you have to get close. You have to get near. Nehemiah just didn't send someone to go look at the wall and report back with all the damage, right? He had already heard that, but he got close. He went to the wall itself and inspected it. And I guarantee you that in this process, you are going to be broken, but you're going to gain so much more clarity in the end. Here recently, um, through a series of unforeseen circumstances, my family and I spent a couple nights in, in Houston on our way to see family in El Salvador. The whole thing was frustrating and, and completely unnecessary. Some of you guys know what it's like to be stranded at airports. So we were tired, angry, uh, because not only were we far away from home, but because our dream vacation was starting to, to fall apart. 
is going to pieces. We try to make the best of it together as a family. I mean, after all, we were, we were all together. But there was one particular evening that we were in the hotel lobby when my mom noticed that, that there was an older lady who was having problems communicating with the employee at the front desk. It was obvious that she had just arrived from the airport, and up until then, she was able, only able to communicate with very few common English words or phrases, but nothing was happening. She was confused and lost. The employee was trying to explain to her when her shuttle bus was gonna come the next morning to go pick her up, uh, where her room was, where her bags were. I mean, but there was, there was nothing that was happening, and so, um, we approached her and we asked her in Spanish, uh, can we help you? And immediately her face lit up. I mean, she starts talking to us about how she's traveling with her brother from Honduras and they just couldn't make their connecting flight because it was canceled. There was bad weather and, you know, the airline just shuttled them to the hotel and gave them these tickets and, and told them when they were going to leave but didn't really arrange for the shuttle bus gave them food vouchers, but didn't tell them where to go eat. I mean, the whole thing was just a mess. And, and so they were tired, they, and they were overwhelmed by it. I was more than glad to help, more like my mom said, you're helping. I was like, all right, thanks, mom. <laughs> so uh, I, I make arrangements for the shuttle bus to come pick him up the next morning, and I, and I walk with, with them to their room. And on our way, we're, we're kind of talking, we're connecting, you know, we're, we're sharing our experience, you know, hey, we're not from here too, we're stuck, same thing, you know, we're trying to get um, somewhere to go see our families, we're really hoping that the holiday vacation works out, and, you know, we're able to connect with this experience, and the plan is to drop off the bags and then go to a restaurant nearby, and so uh, we must have been loud or something, because as soon as we got to the room, you know, there were two other families that kind of poked their heads out of the room and they were like, we need help too. And so it, it's funny because I started helping out just two people and then it turned out to be five. <laughs> uh, my mom, she can, she can attest to this because I walked into the building where their hotel, where the room was located and it was like leaving with my own disciples. <laughs> uh, and so... Um, we go to this restaurant um, that's nearby, and I mean, we max those food vouchers out. I mean, with that group of people, there was a grandmother that she was traveling with. Um, her grandchild looked to be about six or seven years old. And we, I mean, we, we upsized their meals. We got the, the burgers with the double patties and the onion rings and the cookies and the shakes. And it was such a, a great experience because... What happened next is that they, these are complete strangers and they sat together to share a meal, right? And I got a unique chance to, to witness this. I mean, people from Mexico, from Honduras that were in this place under the same circumstances, united by this one common language. And then they sat together to eat a meal. I had to go back to the room. Um, we had an early flight the next morning, and so I couldn't linger, but I made sure that, that they got their food, that they were settled, that the order came out the way they needed it to be. I, I explained to them, okay, you guys are going to take this bus the next morning. You guys know where your room is. And then the, 
the old lady, she, she looks me in the eyes and then she hands me her cookies and she says, thank you so much. You're an angel. And that was the most humbling experience of my life because it would have been easy for me to avoid all of it by going away, by saying that I didn't have the energy, the time, right, or, or, or be selfish. But we learn what to do when we're near, when we hear, when we understand. And proximity is the reason why we love Jesus, right? We hear these stories in the Bible about how Jesus got close to those that were, that were broken, those that were sick, those that needed healing, right? And he doesn't just call them out from a distance, but he gets close, gets in their face, right? It's proximity why we say things like, at the foot of the cross, you'll find grace, mercy, forgiveness. That's because God invites us to come close because he came close. So if God is beginning to birth a vision in your heart, you have to get close. Also, don't make a lot of noise. Nehemiah waited three days before he started inspecting the walls. He was patient. He inspected, did his homework, gathered information. He wasn't charging out to do something. Rather, he went all the way around, taking notes, gathering facts, gathering information and data so that he had a very clear picture of exactly what the problem was and what it would take to rebuild the wall. Our tendency, we do this as Christians, right? Our tendency is to run on emotion and passion, and we can be ignorant because we set ourselves up for disaster, failure, and discouragement. One of the main reasons why most organizations set up for failure is because while they have the best intentions, they're just bad at planning. They fail to plan or plan to fail. We'll say things like, I don't know what's going on, but you know, the Lord will lead us. You know, we do this. I, I do this sometimes. And like, I, I think that's what we need to be doing. The Lord will lead us. And, and from experience, I'll caution you that that is not good. <laughs> if there is no plan, right, and we rely on the Lord to lead us, that's not good. So I want to encourage you in this process to ask God for clarity. God, I want to know what I'm up against. God, I want to know as much as possible. What are the obstacles in pursuing something, beginning something, or even joining something, whatever that may be. Okay. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. So, after getting close, inspecting and evaluating, you have to share the vision. Share the vision. Someone once said, a vision is only actionable if we share it. Without sharing, 
It's just a figment of our imagination. So the walls of Jerusalem were of great significance to the Israelites. Nehemiah understood that Jerusalem had a very special place in the heart of God and that one day the Messiah was to come to the city. It wasn't just a political embarrassment. It was a cosmic embarrassment. And so he cast a vision. And he says, now is the time to do something. And not just that. He says, let us do it. Let us do it together. Let us do it together. So there comes a time when it's time to talk about the vision that God has birthed in you. And it's when you have a problem, a solution, reasoning, and timing. One of the things that I'm passionate about is the next generation. It's possible that many of you could be struggling with faith, with church, with Jesus, all of this. Like, what, what does it mean? How does this apply to me? You're not alone. If we look to the next generation, the latest research shows that they're leaving the church at a high rate. In fact, 40 to 50% of high school kids who grew up in the faith will abandon the faith by the time they leave college. The no religious affiliation or the nuns now make up one-fifth of the U.S. population. And people in general are leaving the faith over division and politics. A bad church experience where somebody, somebody prioritized a view over you or the church just making people feel unwelcome. They're not giving up on Jesus. They're giving up on the church, on us. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to, to some of us, but it means the world to me. Because I believe that there's more to this life than life. I believe that you matter. That there's someone that cares about you, that loves you. That this isn't religion, even though we've made it to be that way, but that this is something much better and bigger than that. So maybe you can relate. Maybe you're on the fringe of leaving it all. Or maybe you can think of that person that has abandoned church together. It's a family member. Or maybe it's a friend. So I'd like to invite the band to come up and finish with a little bit of encouragement for us. And here's my word of encouragement. There's a common misconception that God is looking for qualified people. But that's far away from the truth. He's looking for people that are willing to say yes to him. He gives us hope, vision, and purpose. So I love graduations. Anyone here been to a, a big graduation? I mean, they, they can be pretty long, sometimes boring, or fun and exciting. Especially if you have a big family like mine. <laughs> you can fill the entire section with cousins uh, and, and friends and parents and aunts and, and uncles. 
and their friends. <laughs> Anyways, you guys get the picture. And when you go up to the stage and your name gets called, I mean, oh, what a special moment. Everyone's cheering for you. It's the best feeling in the world. And it's probably the closest that I will get to winning a championship or making a game-winning shot. But then after you walk the stage and you finish shaking hands and you've taken your picture, it's great to reflect on those accomplishments, but also your classmates and, and everyone that has gone through that same journey. I remember there was one year that I went back to, to witness the graduation of one of my closest friends. Um, this was a college graduation, so there were about 400 college graduate students there, and I mean, just watching them go up one by one by one, it felt like an eternity. But I always find it fascinating to see who brings the most family members, right? You can definitely tell who the popular kids in class are. But there was one particular moment that caught my attention. Again, this is a full arena filled with thousands of people and hundreds of students that are graduating. I don't remember her name, but I remember that when her name was spoken, she walked across the stage to, to shake hands and receive her diploma. There wasn't a section full of family members or friends that were cheering for her. But off in the distance was the voice of a man cheering at the top of his lungs and clapping and shouting. And in that moment, in the midst of all those people, I noticed this unique connection between what appeared to be a father and daughter. And I could tell that there was something about this moment that was special. All those years of hard work, dedication, commitment, and sacrifice towards this one moment. And while there wasn't a crowd full of people cheering for her, there was one person, one person that cared. And it was that person that mattered most. So I'm going to end with this. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18. The people replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. New Life Wichita. I believe that God has given us an opportunity to do good work. To make a positive difference in our community and in our city. So my God-given vision is that we will be a community that points others to Jesus, that loves radically, that is known for its radical love, that is not constrained by these walls that surround us, but that we are a church, we are a movement that is able to make a difference outside of these, these boundaries, these walls. That we give irrationally, not just financially, but with our time, resources, the vision, the guidance that God has given us, and that is engaged in authentic community, right? 
Because life is complicated. Life is complicated. Let's be honest with each other about it. Following Jesus makes your life better. And it makes you better at life. And so New Life Wichita today can be the beginning of good work, making a difference, living authentically, but most importantly, equipping the next generation with an irresistible faith. And we say this all the time, all right? 40 to 50% of people that grew up in the faith will leave it. Think of the kids that are in kids' life now. Think of your own church experience, right? What is the faith of the next generation worth? I think it's worth everything. Everything. And so we're going to do those things. We're going to be those things. We're going to equip the next generation. Why? Because you and I, we matter to God. We all matter to God. So the band is going to lead us in this song, which I think is fitting to this message. I hope that today you're inspired and you're motivated by it. And that together we're able to do good work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Nehemiah and the example that he sets for us. The vision that you give us. The tools that you give us. And what we can do with those to make a positive difference in our community in our city. God, we hurt for the things that you hurt for. And sometimes that can be a heavy load to carry. But we're not in this alone because you surrounded us with your grace, with your love, and your hope. That presence, that proximity that Jesus gives us. And I pray that together we will continue to do good work in the city the people that we impact at work for those around us. God, for those that are just asking questions or trying to understand where they fit with all of this, God, I pray that you will give them clarity, your presence, assurance, and ultimately a vision for those things that you hurt for. So I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.